People fill up my marketplace search with their $1 post for things that they want $4,000 for. So I say, Hi, I'm definitely interested in this for $1. When can we arrange a pickup? And I'm very fulfilled when they angrily tell me that's not the real price and how clueless I am. Did you really think you can buy an item for $1? Why? That's just showbiz, baby. See, this is quality because they're gonna go off about how dumb you are until you point out that it was their price that brought you here in the first place. This is a hero you didn't know you needed, but now that you know he's out there, it's just, thank you, man. You're really doing God's work. Get rid of these stupid scam offers on Marketplace. It sucks. All right, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Scrub here back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am, and today I'm gonna be reading some posts from the subreddit Malicious Compliance because, uh, you know, I find them entertaining and you guys have been enjoying the reddit videos so uh yeah without further ado let's get into it but press the like button otherwise no joke no scam you're gonna get 720 no scoped by the pope and let's go won't honor the contract fine i hope you like hot pink duct tape many years ago i was an elected union president at a fortune 500 company but i was only in charge of one contracted group as such, the bargaining power of the main company was much higher than my own, but they couldn't intervene too much. My group's contract switched from Company A to B in 2012, but the contract itself remained unchanged. Company B inherited all of the contract requirements of Company A and agreed to meet them, but opted to fight me on several minor clauses when it came down to it. Most were resolved without conflict, but the major sticking point was in regard to uniforms. Our contract ensured that we were given an allowance to pay for new uniforms and vouchers for steel toe boots every year. When it came time for our vouchers, they were refused, citing they'd given us a slight raise which could offset the cost of boots. I informed them that a cost of living raise didn't void the portion of the contract requiring them to provide vouchers for the shoes, to which they responded, they just hadn't figured out how to provide vouchers yet. After assurances they were providing vouchers as soon as they could work it out, I dropped it. Unsurprisingly, months later, they still hadn't provided vouchers for replacement shoes. It should be noted it was a very large campus, and many of us walked several miles a day in these shoes, and they're caked with chemicals and dirt and start to look vile within a year. We had to wear the same work shoes in office areas, and we started to get complaints, and I decided to lean into this, and this is where the malicious compliance begins. No new shoes? Fine. I'll rig them up to last even longer. I went out and bought several rolls of the flashiest, most obnoxious duct tape I could find and began to repair holes in my shoes with duct tape and extra fabric to the point that my hot pink shoes became recognizable. The safety team for the main company was so amused they gifted me hot pink safety glasses and gloves to match. I also lent out my gaudy duct tape collection to any employee needing to upgrade their shoes. Suddenly, the complaints about our dirty shoes were replaced with complaints about obviously duct tape shoes. Whenever we were asked, we'd tell both union and no non-union co-workers that it was a small protest against the refusal to honor the shoe vouchers in the contract. The next year rolls around and still no shoe vouchers, but suddenly our uniform allowance was increased 150 bucks to allow for new boots to be purchased. After speaking to the union members, I agreed to allow that in place of vouchers. I kept my duct tape collection permanently on display as a threat and would use it anytime safety equipment wasn't being replaced and required repair. Honestly, I think the company's the biggest scumbags here, dude. If there's one thing you shouldn't be skimming 
limping on. I feel like it's safety equipment, especially with a bunch of chemicals around. Ah, whatever. They can just keep duct taping their boots. It's all fun and games until somebody, like, acidifies their foot inside the boot, you know? This is a great protest. If you ever want to know how to piss off people in an office, apparently duct tape on your shoes will do it. Spent all night swapping out parts just because that's what they wanted. In the early 2000s, I was working on a now-defunct airline. An airplane came in for overnight work with an inoperative boost pump. These were new planes that were also a new type to the company, and I had this problem before, and I had a hunch it was a bad relay. I pulled the wiring prints and find the other relay with the same part number and proceeded to swap the suspect relay with a good one. Problem followed the bad relay in less than 10 minutes, and I knew what the fix would be. I had to order up a new relay from stores. Now, at this point, the supervisor came around and says maintenance control wants the boost pump swapped for troubleshooting. I started pleading my case, telling him it's fixed as soon as the new relay arrives, and he said he wanted it swapped anyways. I got paid by the hour, so whatever. I swapped the pumps around, and the problem is still there. Now, since serial numbers are tracked on where they installed on the aircraft, I swap both pumps back to their original positions. Go in, tell the supervisor the problem wasn't fixed, and grab the relay I ordered earlier. Replace the relay, and all the checks are good. As I I'm walking back into the office to sign off. The supervisor meets me through the hangar with the exact wiring print I had printed up earlier and wants me to take a look at the exact relay I just replaced because MX thinks can or MX control thinks that might be the issue. This is just how it feels to work for like any huge corporation, you know? Hey, I think this might be the problem. Yeah, whatever, just do this. I don't think that'll fix it. Okay, did I ask you if you think it'll fix it? No, go do it. Meanwhile, 25 minutes later, what do you think? Do you think this could be the problem? Same explanation you gave earlier. The the amount of times this happened at every job I've ever worked is insane, you know. Hey man, there's gonna be a rush. We should start making popcorn early. No, don't do that. Ten minutes later, why are we out of popcorn? Gee willikers, if only somebody had presented a possible solution. Oh, not again. A few months ago, this local bakery had a small promotion where they handed out vouchers to local hospital workers. Two free loaves of bread every week for a month. Fancy, I'm in. Me and the wife decided to try their various breads over the course of the month and off to the bakery. I go. While paying, I presented my voucher and presented the rule, only one free bread per transaction. Well, that's okay. Reddit taught me how these work, so I buy only one bread, get it free, and when asked if there's anything else, I point to the other bread. Puzzled look, free bread, you know the drill. That's not the funny part. One week later, I'm back to the bakery and met by a different, younger-looking employee. I pick the two breads and present my voucher. Cue a puzzled look by the employee, who turns to the colleague, the girl who served me last week. Hey, can we do two offers in a single order? She looks at him, then me. Just give it to him. I don't know what the store was expecting. People were going to get here, get their two loaves of bread. You were going to be like, oh, one per transaction. They were going to say, fine, go, and then come back later in the week. No, of course they were going to be like, all right, hold on. <clears throat> all right, let's close this out, swipe the card, and yeah, next order, I'll take the bread. Obviously, like, did you really think people were going to come all the way back to your grocery store just for another loaf of bread? I mean, probably I couldn't blame them for that. That being said, I feel like trying to trick people to have to come back to your store with a confusingly worded offer is not a good way to gain loyal customers, you know? Lunch is only an hour? All right, no problem. I work at a relatively small organization with 60 employees in an office environment. 
I don't work as a cashier, but my office is next to the cashier's desk. And over the past few months, I've been dropping off the bank deposit during my lunch break because the cashiers have been too busy to take it during work hours. This is purely a courtesy to the cashiers and is not required of my job in any way, but I like to help my coworkers when I can. The bank is about 10 minutes away from the office, and I'm going to pass it on the way to food anyways, so it's no big deal. And it usually takes about 10 to 15 minutes at the bank, depending on how busy they are, so I account for that and extend my lunch break accordingly. This went on fine for a few weeks until my boss decided that I was taking too long on my lunch breaks and reminded me that I shouldn't be taking more than an hour. I explained that I was taking the bank deposit as a courtesy, but I might as well have said nothing because I was once again reminded that I have one hour for lunch. I told my boss no problem and I would make sure I'm back on time moving forward. Cue the malicious compliance. Ever since that conversation, my lunch has been exactly one hour. As soon as I get back to the office, I get a company vehicle and take it to the bank deposit on company time. Now, instead of just paying me for the 15 minutes I'm at the bank, they're paying that, plus the 20 minutes drive time I'm putting unnecessarily aware on a company vehicle, and it also takes about 5 minutes each day to check out and return the keys to the vehicle. My boss asked where I'd been the first day, and when I explained, she said okay. I get the feeling she is too proud to admit it which much simpler when I was just taking it on my way to lunch, but I'm fine with the extended break. I mean, if you're getting paid by the hour, by all means, take an extra 20 minutes it, check out the company car, whatever, they're paying you for it anyways, right? On your lunch break, it's not like you were getting compensated. I don't know how it works, we had to clock out whenever I would take my lunch break. That being said, dude, I think this is the perfect way of malicious compliance. You're just gonna slowly add on a bunch of expenses to the company, and you're literally just following orders. Like, what are they gonna do, get mad at you for doing exactly what they asked? You want me to email you everything? Sure. So from back when I was in college, I was working a job on campus, and my manager moved to a different organization and was replaced by someone we're gonna call Karen. Now our team of 10 students worked super well, very efficient, and got everything as expected. Karen comes in and decides that the team needs change to the way that we work. So she makes massive changes and makes our lives harder, but it's all part of the job and we deal with it. Also, I was the unofficial leader of the team and constantly advocated for them. We were close and knew what worked for each of us and the rest of the team looked to me as the leader, so obviously Karen hated me because I had advocated against stupid policies that had no benefit but to make our lives harder. Each of us had a weekly one-on-one -on -one meeting with Karen to discuss the stuff we got done, needed to get done, etc. And as always, I went in with an agenda and made sure she got all the updates I had and made sure she answered my questions, made sure I answered all her questions, and then ensured her I had a five-minute space at the end for her to discuss anything she had to talk to me about. Two weeks into the changes, she tells me that I have not been updating her properly. Surprised, I asked her what updates I didn't give, and she lists that I point out to the agendas of our previous two meetings and show her that I did discuss it. She says that verbal updates aren't acceptable and I need to email them to her. I'm confused, but I know how to pick my battles and agree to it. In fact, she writes me up for not properly communicating and not giving her updates and not keeping her in the loop about my work, and I'm pissed off. After the meeting, I check with my team, and this isn't the setup for anyone. Everyone gives her verbal updates and sometimes emails them, but there's no rule that it has to be an email every time, so I decided to follow her policies as she stated. That evening, I send her a long email with the details of everything I got done over the last two weeks. The next day onwards, every day when I clock in, I send her an email with my tasks for the day, and as I complete the tasks, I update her via email. If I'm stuck on something, I update her on that too. I CC her on all emails I send her, and also send her an email at the end of the day with what I didn't get done. Now, this doesn't take long, because I write most of these emails in my own tracker, so it's just a matter of copy and paste. However, when writing in my tracker, I do it on my time. 
but since this is a work-related task, I must do it on the clock. So not only is she getting approximately 15 emails a day from me, she's also paying me about an extra hour each day. Given how new Karen is, she doesn't realize that I have built a mini-network with some of her colleagues given my time in the job, and I find out that Karen has a habit of ignoring all emails from me. I don't care about it because I'm getting paid for stuff I was doing on my own time anyways and was trying to be petty in the first place. A couple of months or so later, our department had to host an event. The tasks were all divided, and it's all good. The two tasks I have are to manage the food for all the guests and provide parking tickets to the guests in advance. It was a large university, and the parking office is a pain to work with. I got the parking done, and then I focused on the food the week before the event because we got final confirmation. And it was then that I realized that there were several guests who have various dietary restrictions. I'm also suddenly told that a few of the guests are in wheelchairs. They told me that because they needed specific parking spots, but our venue was not accessible. Given the importance of this, I immediately emailed her, but knowing she ignores my emails, I CC the parking team to ensure they have a consolidated list because Karen won't send it. And the person's managing guests during the event so they know to ask Karen about special meals when the guests arrive. We don't have any more one-on-ones before the event, so I try to figure out how to tell her to make sure guests aren't affected. I try to schedule a meeting with her, but given she's ignoring my emails and also ignoring all my meeting requests, there was no way for me to. I gave up and decided to enjoy the fireworks during the event. The reason I needed to talk to her is that I need the budget increase to accommodate these multiple dietary restrictions. Gluten-free meals, nut-free meals add up, and we were at the max of my permitted budget. Essentially, we had a meal budget of $20 a person, and the special meals costed $25. One thing that makes doing things difficult for me, as much as I hate Karen, is I do not have the ability to let that hate for Karen affect other people. So I spoke to the facilities to get a ramp kept in the back room for the wheelchairs, and found out that five of the people coming had not picked meals, so we didn't have to offer them meals at all. We got the caterers set up so we could provide a reduced offering to those five while ensuring that the gluten and nut-free meals were available for those who had asked. On the day of the event, the guests in wheelchairs arrived and were stuck at the entry to the event that has three steps. Given that I was managing the food, no one thought to blame me, so Karen was frantically running around trying to find someone to throw under the bus because her boss is chewing her out. Then I hear the words gluten intolerant. 20 seconds later, Karen and her boss are in my face ready to chew me out, and I was fully prepared for this, and the conversation went like this. Karen and my boss, didn't you know that we had people who cannot eat either of the standard meals? Yeah, I did, and I emailed you about it because we needed to increase the meal budget to accommodate. Did you not speak to the caterers? I didn't get any email. I sent it to you, see? And I showed him the email on my phone. Karen... Karen, at this point, was in literal tears because this event is her boss's baby and people have gotten in a lot of trouble over messing this up. But you didn't send it to me, did you? The boss at that point was getting irritated. Well, what do we do now? Alright, let me figure something out. Also, I see people in wheelchairs. What are we doing about them? I have no clue. We're trying to figure it out. I'll take care of that too. Ten minutes later. I got facilities to give us a ramp that we're putting by the stairs for the guests in wheelchairs and I spoke to the caterers and we'll have gluten-free nuts and meals ready. The boss to me? Thanks. Two days later, I had my one-on-one with Karen and surprisingly, her boss was there. Lo and behold, Karen got written up, my write-up was removed, and Karen stopped trying to mess with me and the entire team now has laughs every time we mention a gluten allergy. Oh, see, this is great on so many levels. First of all, you make Karen look dumb, but you also 
didn't put anyone in jeopardy, had everything prepared, and then looked incredible in front of your boss like an absolute hero who came out of nowhere and saved the day? If you're not in the managerial position by this time next year, alright, I, I don't know, man. You clearly are proving yourself out here. This is the way to do it. Just do everything that they ask, you know. But just make sure you get all the credit for it if they were asking you to do it wrong. You shouldn't try to go behind your manager's back and, like, make them look bad. But if they're gonna purposely ignore all your emails, then hey, that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. You write poor code and never fix anything. I used to work for an IT services company working on a central government contract. We would develop the code, unit test it, and then hand it off to a dedicated test team who would test and sign off on the code before going to production. Once in production, the jobs would be monitored and responded to by a dedicated support team. This support team were all ex-government employees transitioned to the service company as part of the contract. They never developed any code themselves, but were happy to point fingers at anyone else to make themselves feel better. The production system was massive and made up of many moving parts. Code releases were also based on dates pulled out of thin air rather than being based on requirements or development times, and as such, defects were inevitable. Defects were graded with 1 to 5, with 1 being critical and 5 only being addressed if 1 to 4 were all gone. Category 5 was like, I clicked this button and it took 5 seconds instead of 3. That meant that basically everything with a 5 was never looked at. The support team monitored production jobs out of hours. If a job failed, the first responder would be called. This meant a $50 callout fee for him, and he would then call someone else on his team to address the issue, which meant a $50 callout fee for him too. A particular job had an issue where the underlying requirement was not clear and it would fail at 10pm each day due to an unexpected value. The fix was to click restart and the job would recover itself and continue without any further failures. As this required no real intervention and didn't impact users, it was labeled with a 5. The support team liked this as it meant an extra $350 a week for the lead and $350 a week for the support guy just for one of them to click a button at the same time each night. This had been happening for the previous two years and netted them about $35,000 each in support payments so far. After a large release filled with incomplete requirements and unrealistic deadlines, we were called to a multi-team meeting to discuss the number of defects and how to reduce them. The support team leader took this opportunity to brown nose leadership and tell everyone how it was all the development team's fault because we wrote poor code and never fix anything, and how his team were carrying us and having to respond to regular out-of-hours outages. We were blindsided by this and I was particularly annoyed because we were already under undue pressure and didn't need this muppet making stuff worse. I knew about the 10pm job and I knew they were milking it, so I raised a new fake defect and labeled it as category 3 and linked it to roughly the same area as the category 5 10pm failure. I fixed the 10pm failure code by basically editing an if statement so it would continue instead of failing, and it took no more than 10 keystrokes. The new code was deployed, but I didn't tell the support team. The next day, I got a call from the team lead saying there was a problem with the 10pm job as it didn't fail the night before, so it must not have processed the data. He continued with the, we should test the code more thoroughly speech when I stopped in mid-sentence and said, oh, that code. I noticed a problem when I was fixing something else, so I made a change to stop it from failing. I didn't want it to keep bothering you guys. He didn't know what to say, so I said goodbye and hung up. If he hadn't been a Muppet, I would have let him keep his cash cow, but he chose poorly, and now the cash cow has vanished. 
if you're making $35,000 out of like just clicking a button every night, why would you ever go into a meeting and start being condescending and rude to the people that are letting you do that? Like, how did he not expect this to backfire? You guys never fix anything. I would just be going over every code forever then and make sure that everyone on the support team goes broke because they're not getting any more calls. Like, dude, you're getting rich off the fact that this program sucks, so keep your mouth shut and let it suck. I don't understand why that was so difficult. Do you want to cheaper or not at all. All right, have it your way. Two years ago, I took two extremely expensive internationally recognized exams. I also spent a crap ton buying preparation books for them, and I tried to buy these books secondhand from a website, but didn't find anyone who was selling for a reasonable price. I might as well have just bought new ones for the same price, so I did. These books are priced insanely because of how important and expensive the exams are. Now, I didn't use these books much as they were very expensive and extensive, and the exams were not really that difficult. After I cleared the exams, I wanted to sell the books as they were brand new, expensive, and I remembered how earlier I was not able to procure them myself for a secondhand reasonable price, and as a broke student, I wanted to help somebody out in the same position. So I put them up for sale at 40% of the original price. There were not many buyers, as it was not the time of year people give those exams, but I found one guy who kept haggling incessantly and wanted an even lower price for the books. I brought it down to 25%, but he was still not satisfied. He kept telling me how it wasn't the right price and I would find no buyers for such an exorbitant price. I was not even worried about the price honestly, I just wanted the books to be used by someone else rather than be recycled or lie around the house. He told me to go find another buyer if I could for that price and I began considering just giving it to him for whatever he wanted. Luckily, a few days later, I found a buyer who agreed to buy the books for only 35% of the original price and I immediately sealed the deal. There was minimal bargaining and the girl was really nice and thankful. The cheap guy ended up texting me and asking, if I came to my senses and would give him the books for almost free, and I inform him I found another buyer and have sealed the deal at 35%. He then starts begging me to consider how he really needs those and how they are too expensive in the market. Yeah, no crap. And says he'll pay me 30% of the price. I told him I'm already getting more than that for them and had given my word, and he keeps begging me to reconsider and matches the price I was getting. He didn't even try to beat the price or give me any incentive to go back on my word, and I simply told him I'd let him know if anything changed and removed my sale at all on the website. See, this is why this culture of like insanely over the top negotiating to the point where it's just insulting is going to get you burned a lot more than it's going to save you money. 40% off's already a good deal, dude. He sold it for 35% of the original value instead. So there was 5% wiggle room. But yeah, it's just insulting when somebody's like, you're an idiot for trying to sell it at this price. You're never going to get it. Guess what? You're never going to get it either because I'm just not going to sell it to you because there's no reason to try to negotiate like that dude. This was a cell phone. You made yourself miss out on a good deal. Want to pay me extra? Okay, that's fine with me. This happened years ago. I was working for a tech startup company that delivered food. Think Grubhub or DoorDash, but it wasn't them. I was the eye in the sky. I would route out the drivers and manually assign orders according to the GPS to get the best times at logical orders. It was fun at first, but once it started to blow up, the job was just stressful and I hated every second of it. Now, I was scheduled for a 10-hour shift that started at 10 a.m., which was pretty normal. The problem is that the air 
areas I was working for were in different time zones. I was in Philadelphia, but directing orders and drivers much further away, so I'd clock in at 8am, but wait for two hours doing nothing at all. I brought it up to a manager and said, hey, I just wanted to let you guys know that nothing opens until 10am your time, and I'm just spending time logged in, waiting while on the clock doing nothing. And the response was, here's the difference between a worker and a leader. Sometimes a worker needs to figure out how to resolve these situations without coming to someone else. I was not in charge of scheduling and was trying to let him know about the gap in hours, but decided F it. My solution is to get an extra hour or two every single morning paid for. I'll sip my coffee every morning for two hours while I'm getting paid. The company ended up going under like three, mean, three months later because they ran out of money, and I went to, on to a much better job afterwards. Thanks for the free hours though, guys. Gee, I wonder how they ended up going bankrupt with such fantastic leadership. Hey, I'm just letting you guys know that you're just kind of wasting paying me for two hours and it makes no sense and I, I don't really get it. Well, maybe that's because you're not a leader, okay, you little worker bee, okay, you stupid little drone. How about you just get back to that desk and get paid while you do nothing? I mean, all right, if you insist, dude. Meanwhile, you know, this guy's lighting like $3 million a month on fire because it's a startup. You can't just quit on a Friday. This was from my last job, which was a global financial firm with the initials MS. I was a contractor in the IT department there for over a year and had lots of complaints against them. Original manager forgot to file my paperwork, costing me a free position, overworked, culture that tried to sell more work as being a sign of praise rather than pay you to do more, etc. Well, it was time for me to move on. I'd stored, I scored a great state job, better pay, great benefits, still working from home, and even then the office was a lot closer. All around, they wouldn't be able to compete. They were aware of this for about two months as they almost sank it by dragging their heels on some verifications like employment and stuff. I flat out told my manager I'd be leaving at the end of the month and finally had my official start date, gave a bit over two weeks notice to quit on a Friday so I could start on a Monday, and that's where the stupidity began. This place has a policy to run all software updates on Sunday, so every Monday is hell. Everything is broken due to poor quality assurance and it's all hands on deck. If you call off, they're gonna fight you. So they like to bully people and everyone who had left had some attempt to get them to stay longer and it has sadly worked because people don't get how little power the company has. So my time came and the manager calls me up and goes on with this crap, telling me it's not proper etiquette to give two weeks notice, since when, and that I should know it takes a minimum of three weeks to complete training, so I know I should know that they can't replace me in that time. You already had one to two months, but whatever. And how I can't do this to my coworkers, and I'm selfish and a bad person, and this wasn't getting the reaction or response that management wanted. So they started to bring out policy. They start saying it's against company policy to quit on a Friday. I know this is crap, but they don't really hand out policy books here, and HR is kinda... Well, for contractors, it's not a thing. Contractors are second-class workers with hardly any rights after all. Still, I'm leaving the company. How could this affect me? I tell them something to the effect that, well, I'm the one quitting and I'm still gonna leave on Friday. I'm seriously not sure how it was going in their mind, and they doubled down that I had to work that next Monday for them, and I think they were hoping to get their foot in the door and ruin my next job. Well, this isn't working for them now, is it? And they're really getting pissed off now, so they give me the ultimatum. If I won't work that Monday, then I am to sign out and not clock back in until I've changed my mind. And they're looking smug. They're effectively threatening to fire me early, making me lose out on money and stuff, and since they don't have PTO. Well, I have no care at this point. My finances are fine, and my new job I need a full suit for. I guess I earned myself an unpaid vacation. So I logged out. 
they kept their looking smug and left me with another, remember, don't clock in until you decide to be reasonable. So the next day I didn't log in, and a few hours later I got a call screaming about how I'm late and I've caused so many problems, and I cut them off saying I'm not coming in Monday. Per our meeting, I'm not to clock in. Silence. They ask me if I'm serious, and I ask if they were serious yesterday. They call me a pug-headed fool and tell me to just come in on Monday like they asked. Then they waited a moment and asked if I was going to grow up and come back in. Well, I'm bored at this point and asked if they're going to pay me my new rate on Monday, and I get a confused no, and then I tell them they have their answer. They called every single day that last week, bouncing between apologies, insults, and browbeating, while still always standing on the ground that I needed to come in Monday. This was a whole week of them, sometimes multiple days, begging me to come in, even part of the day to dig them out of holes, and then doubling down on that. Well, if you come in, does that mean you're coming back all the way through Monday, right? I'd already dropped off their equipment already, since I didn't need any of it at this point, since, even if I did finish my week, it wasn't necessary. They called even on Monday to tell me I was fired for not showing up. I still think that they thought I was joking or playing hardball for a promo or raise. It's the only reason I have for all that. Or they really thought that I'd throw my new job for them. They had a big focus on company loyalty that a lot of people seem to buy into, so maybe they just assumed I'd be loyal. I did hear my old manager had to fill in for me as they couldn't get anyone to do my shift and my jobs, and that now, a few months later, my manager and several others quit as everything is buckling. They promised more than they could ever deliver and drove off experienced workers like me. Oof, bro, I love how they're still calling you through the week, insulting you. You better come in, you pug-headed idiot! I've never heard anyone be called pug-headed. But that being said, dude, like, why would they expect that to make you want to work there? I'm quitting because you guys suck. Well, you suck, you absolute buffoon. Come in on Monday. Uh, no. Like, what are you gonna do, man? Like, uh, fire me? Okay. It's, it's amazing how many people don't realize they have, like, no ground to be negotiating on, dude. You'd think that a business would be a little bit better at, you know, negotiating terms. Sure, you can can have an accounting of my every minute. Mid-2020, I moved across the country and started a new job. Before I accepted it, I made it clear that I would need an adjusted schedule because of COVID and childcare issues. I was told that this is fine and we're all adults and can manage our time. As long as I'm working the right number of hours within parameters, we're good. It became obvious very quickly that my boss and I were not getting along. She was very proud of her PhD from the 90s and hadn't learned anything about computers since. Well, I was supposed to be tech support and she really didn't like to be wrong. Also, I was morally opposed to holding an 80-person indoor event at the time because of COVID. Anyways, about three months into my tenure, she tells me that she forgot to tell me that she needs an accounting of my time each week to make sure it adds up to enough hours. She said that everyone does them and she just forgot to have me start. I ask around, it was a very small team and nobody has ever heard of anything like this. I ask her about what they said and she said she needs to make sure I'm not getting away with working less hours because of my modified schedule and to just do it. So I write down every single deviation from the standard schedule, every time. Arrived one minute early, onto the spreadsheet. Took three minutes shorter lunch, on the spreadsheet. Left 7.5 minutes early to get my kids, better believe that half minute's going on the spreadsheet. Stayed 11 minutes late, hell yeah. Did I make my schedule even weirder than usual? Maybe. I used Excel to make sure everything was totaled and exactly perfect. She didn't tell me to do the math for her, so I deleted it before I printed the spreadsheet out to sign and turn in. She spent almost an hour the first time doing math, and I know this because she complained endlessly about it to my coworker. It took all of two weeks for her to tell me I could start managing my own time again. 
I quit a month later, but that's a different tale of malicious compliance. I just don't understand why a boss would actually ever want this unless they're just being power hungry, bro. If like my editors were sending me an Excel spreadsheet of every time they took two minutes longer to like send a video in, I'd be going insane. I don't know, man. I just feel like as long as the work is getting done on time and with the quality you expect, it really shouldn't matter if someone's leaving half a minute early to get their kid, especially if that was an agreement you guys had before you hired them. I don't know. This entire situation just makes me uh, more reminded how much having a boss would really suck. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you did, I would really appreciate you taking a second to press the like button. Let me know in the comment section down below what you thought. And of course, subscribe if you're new and turn on those notifications. If you really want to help me out, I'll put a link to the intro song down below, along with a link to my podcast, The Scuffed Cast, or you could use code SCRUBBY at the G Fuel checkout. I would appreciate it. Two more things I got to plug real quick. I do put some of my content up on Spotify, so if you want to listen, offline, then you can uh, go ahead and do that by clicking the link in the top of the description. And of course, you can also go ahead and get yourself some merch. It's pretty cool if you ask me. Probably the coolest merch to ever exist, and that link's also going to be in the description down below. And uh, yeah, on that note, guys, that'll do it. Don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot, and hopefully I'll see each and every single one of you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.